Well, good morning. Uh, lovely to be back again in, in Hollywood. Uh, after last week, I was back in the wilds of County Throne, back in my home place, home church. Uh, so I've made it safely back to civilization uh, this week for, for, uh, back in Hollywood. So it's lovely to be back again. And we're, we're going to turn in God's Word this morning to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. And we're continuing on in our series in the Holy Spirit. And we're looking this morning, the topic is the, the fruit of the Spirit. But it'll, it'll take us a while to get to the fruit of the Spirit. We will get there, hopefully, by the end of the, the, this morning. But we're going to think really about the sort of life that Paul's little phrase, live by the Spirit. What does it mean to live by the Spirit? Because it's by living by the Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit grow. So I think this one, what does it mean to live or to walk by the Spirit? We're going to read from Galatians chapter 5. We'll actually start, start in verse 13. This is God's word. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let's take another moment to pray. Father, we come this morning to your word. And I already pray that you would make us hungry. You would make us hungry for what it is that you are saying to us this morning. Father, we, we know that if we are believers uh, walking in this life, that, Lord, we know the reality of, of what it is to walk by the flesh and what it is to walk by the Spirit. And we just pray for the help of your Spirit this morning, that we would live more and more each day, live by the Spirit. Help us to, to walk away from the things of the flesh and to walk by your lovely and perfect Holy Spirit. And we pray for, for your help now. Uh, pray for the Spirit's help, that Jesus would be glorified in us now as we think over what your Word says to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to do a, a quick thought experiment. This isn't original to me, but it's the the ancient philosopher Plato has this thought experiment. Okay, and I don't pretend to understand all of what it means, but I think it's, it serves our purpose as well this morning. 
So he said, imagine that there are these men and that they, they were born and raised inside a cave. Okay, so they're inside this cave and all they've ever known is the inside of this cave. And all they've ever seen is the back wall of the cave. They've never been allowed to look outside. And there is some sun that gets in and shines against the back wall. And that there are people who, who they never see, but perform what are called shadow puppets on the back wall. Those men, they live in the cave, and all they ever see is these shadow puppets. And for them, that is their, their life. That is their reality, the shadow puppets. And they give the puppets names, and they, that's what they think is, is real. And could you imagine if one day one of those men gets freed? Somebody comes and takes off his, his chains and leads him out of the cave and into the, the sunlight. And all of a sudden he sees this big, beautiful world. And Plato was interested in how would that man respond? What would he do? And Plato said there were some men who would see the sun and rejoice and would run and walk off into the sunshine. But he said there would be some men who would be so overcome by the sun and it would be so overwhelming. There would be, be people who would reject the sunlight and reality and want to go back into the cave. Because that was their reality. That's what they knew. And it's like they would walk back to the chains and put themselves back in there because that was their life. That's what they knew. He even said that if, if, a, if one of those men went back and told the other men about this big new world... He said those men would probably become so angry with him and reject him and hate him, they would probably kill him. They would reject this idea of freedom. And so quite what Plato's purposes for fast story was, I'm not sure. If, if there are any philosophers this morning, you can tell me after, after the service. But I heard that and I thought, that, that's, that's just like what Paul is talking about in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He says, we have been set free. We, before you came to Christ, you lived your life, if you like, in that cave, in slavery, to your own sinful desires, to, to, to trying to live in a way to please God, to earn his love. And yet Christ comes and breaks our chains and leads us out into freedom. And we have this glorious freedom to live in love, to know joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Lead us out into that amazing life of freedom in the spirit. And yet, Paul saying, don't go back to slavery. Because I don't know about you, but if you use Plato's analogy, so often I find myself walking away from the, the beautiful sunshine and all that reality offers. I'm walking back into the cave. I'm walking back into slavery. Because that's what, I, that's what I know. And I think that's more real. At times I convince myself that the shadows are more real than reality itself. And so what Paul's saying in this passage is don't go back to slavery. But walk in reality. Walk, and there's kind of two ways to live, Paul outlines. There's two ways to live. We can go back and live by the flesh, or we can live in reality and walk by the Spirit. And he says, as believers, which are we going to do? Are we going to keep going back and walking and living by, by the flesh, or are we going to walk by the Spirit? 
He says in verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to, to the flesh. So the flesh is against the Spirit, the Spirit is against, against the flesh. And what's in the middle? What's the battle over? It's not, he says, he's not saying it's what we necessarily do. It's not about necessarily just doing flesh and doing spirit, but it's desires. It's desires. So he's saying within each, each, within each Christian's heart, there's this war going on. And it's a war of desire. Which do we desire more? Do we desire more the things of the flesh? Do we desire more to please ourselves? Or do we desire the Spirit? He's not saying do. And that's why this, this, this passage isn't about be more loving, be more t- uh, joyful, be more peaceful. Paul doesn't say that. He doesn't command us those things. But he's saying, which do we desire? Do we desire to follow God? Do we desire to walk with him, to please him? Do we love him more? So there's these two ways to live the flesh and the Spirit. And the first is the, the, the flesh. He says the flesh is it's against the spirit. He says in verse 18, but if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So if you choose the flesh, in Galatians, there's, kind of, there's two ways to live by the flesh. So we're kind of going into two ways to live, going into subparagraph two or whatever, under the flesh. And one way to live by the flesh is to live by performance performance. That's what he says in verse 18. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And that's really the big message of the book of Galatians, is that there are these people who become Christians. They love Jesus. But then these other people are coming in and saying, yeah, okay, you know, you're serving Jesus, loving Jesus, brilliant. But really, if you really want to be a true Christian, what about circumcision? You guys aren't circumcised. Come on, you need to get back. Look at the Old Testament says, be circumcised, get yourself circumcised. And obey the law. Do these things. Because if, if you really want God to love you, you really want God to accept you, you need to do these things. And Paul's saying, madness. And the, the start of Galatians is one of the... Normally, Paul starts his letters, kind of the way we start letters, in a nice, polite way, saying hello, hello, introducing themselves. And Paul launches almost straight into ver- in verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He says, you're, you're, you're walking away from the Spirit. You're submitting again to the flesh, trying to live uh, uh, by, by the law. You're turning to a different gospel. You're trying to live to please God by what you do. You're trying to please God by your performance. You're trusting in your own flesh. You're not trusting in the Spirit. He says in, in chapter 3, a verse, we've got our 10. All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. And we do not please God by our, 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 our works. That's not how it works. We can think we can go back and rely on our performance. And maybe in 21st century Hollywood, probably not many of us are considering whether or not to get circumcised or whether to observe Jewish festivals or whether or not we should eat pork. Those were the issues going on in, in, in Galatia. But how many times, even as Christians, no matter how many years you've been a Christian, you can hear that voice. 
I remember it's about desire, that kind of desire in your heart. Does God really love me? How could God love someone, someone with me, someone like me? And how do we respond? I need to do more. I just need to be. I just need to do better. If I could just get it right, if I could just perform better, then maybe, maybe God would. Really, I would really feel like God loves me if I could just do better. And that's the flesh. It looks often like religion. It looks like people who do religious duties and for the Galatians, it looked very religious. But actually at its heart it was flesh because it was me trusting in myself to do, to please God. Uh, Working by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Uh, uh, if If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So for people who live by the flesh, one way of doing that is performance. And then another way, Paul says, is pleasure. In the next verse, 5.19, he says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, those who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Another way to live by the flesh, uh, not trying to earn God's love, but saying, I'm just going to live and please myself. I recently heard about the difference between a mermaid and a siren. This was new to me. So apparently mermaids are the mythical creatures, half woman, half fish, and sirens are half bird, half fish. Again, if anybody can correct me on that, correct me on that. But so far as I can remember, sirens, they sort of, sort of like mermaids, but half bird, half fish creature. And what sirens do, you've maybe heard of the siren song. In mythology, what the sirens did was they would sing this beautiful song, and sailors who heard it would be so drawn to the song, they would leave their, their ships and go off into the water to their own destruction. They would hear the song and would be captured by it, and they would go to their own destruction. And Paul's saying, there's a war going on. And one of the ways we can lose the war is we hear the lure of the flesh for pleasure. And we hear it and we capture it and we follow it. And we go, but us to our own destruction. Because people who live, who give their lives over to that sort of life, he says, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's, so Paul gives these lists. These lists aren't meant to be exhaustive. They're not all of the works of the, the flesh. It's just a, an example. But so he says, sexual immorality and uh, impurity and debauchery. The first three are sort of sexual sins. And normally in these lists, he does begin with sexual sin. In Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and Colossians. And why does he normally start there in his lists? Um, Forget two possibilities. Probably that was that was one of the big temptations, one of the biggest issues for the people in that day. The, the sexual ethic in, in those days was probably even worse than ours, if that's possible. If you're a master and you owned a slave, a slave was yours to do whatever you wanted with. Um, and th- there was no restraint. And could also, that's possibly one, issue, one reason why he begins there, because it was such a big issue. But also, as well... Um, because sexual sins somehow do, do more, seem to do more damage to our relationship with the Spirit. 
And I say that because in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, other sins are outside the body, but sexual sin is inside the body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. So there seems to be something about, these other sins are out there, but when in sexual sin, it's, it particularly grieves the Holy Spirit. It says, so if we live and, and live and give ourselves over to that, and constantly give up uh, living by the Spirit, given into living by the flesh, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. That it will grieve the Holy Spirit. It, it, it affects our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So he, he starts with sexual sin. He also talks about kind of religious sin, if you like, idolatry and witchcraft. Witchcraft, other translations say sorcery. It's interesting he, he, he includes that. Just to throw in a, a note that dabbling in alternative spirituality is the opposite of what a life by the Spirit looks like. Increasingly you hear more of tarot cards and tea leaf reading and all those sorts of things. Uh, and whether they are legitimate, there's that, well that's real spirituality going on there is not really the question. It's the opposite of living by the Spirit. You're not trusting in the Spirit's leading and guiding in our lives when we go there. It's not what life by the Spirit looks like. We're trusting in the flesh. So um, sexual sins, religious sins, the rest of the list to do with relationships and then overindulgence. And the point is, in all of these, it's me having control over myself, me trying to please myself, doing what I want for me. And the kind of ironic thing is, whenever we hand ourselves over to these, we think that we're in control. But actually, we're just like the the prisoner going back into the cave. We're enslaving ourselves again to our own flesh. And if we're honest, we all we all go back there at times. And we get tired of it. We we, 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 we have enough. We just we get sick of it. Like Romans seven, where Paul talks about you know, the things I, I want to do I don't do, and the things I don't want to do I, I, I do do. And there's this war going on inside of us. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. But, but the opposite is also true. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, but the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So pausing in this war, we get these voices, you're not good enough, do more. These voices saying, please yourself, live for yourself. But Paul's saying there's another voice in the believer, there's another voice in this war speaking to us. And the war is, which voice are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen and obey the voice of the flesh that says, live for yourself? Or are we going to listen and obey the voice of the Spirit? The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And it gives four different phrases about how to live by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, or keep in step with the Spirit. And what, what, what's going on? What, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Well, I think there's two kind of things going on here. The first one is to be led by the Spirit. And so, so in, in some of them, it's me keeping in step with the Spirit, me walking, it's me doing. But there's also then the Spirit as one who's active. And whenever we're led by the Spirit, so he says, be led by the Spirit. Remember that it was the Spirit who came to us when we were in slavery. It was him who came to us and took off our chains. 
It was him who led us out into freedom. Whenever you, if you're a Christian, whenever you came to faith, whenever you, you came to put your trust in Jesus, you did that for a reason. You did that because Jesus became to you in that moment more worthy of following and better and more glorious than, than any other way of living. It's the same whenever you, you um, fall in love. If you to ask someone to write down a list of why, why did you fall in love with your, your spouse, um, you don't do that sort of thing. And you probably couldn't give a definitive, definitive list. You can't really explain it. And the same whenever we, we become a Christian, it's, it's we're captivated by Christ. We, we, I feel like we, we begin this relationship with, with him. It's not this cold, clinical decision I make because of this, this, this column outweighs the other column. We begin this relationship with Christ. I think sometimes we can reduce Christianity to a, a, a legal contract that Christ died for me, forgave me, and now, now I'm free and God kind of has to love me because Jesus died for me and I, now I must serve him. That's kind of what a Christian life looks like. But the Bible is much more of, of it's, it's a relationship. It's a relationship with him. He is the one who changed us. It's not just a legal change, but I have changed. And I now, I now have God's Holy Spirit living inside of me. And now that he lives inside of me, he is, he is the one who gives me new desires. He gives me desires. And if you're a Christian, the Spirit inside you gives you desires, gives you new desires. It gives you desires to love, to, to have joy, to have peace, to have patience, to have all of those. The Spirit is dwelling in you, giving you new desires. So salvation is not just a change in legal status, it's a change in person. So we are led by the Spirit. The Spirit comes to us, comes into our, our hearts and into our lives. He leads us and then we are called then to, to live by the Spirit. He leads us, gives us these desires. That's his work. And then we must respond and then live or keep in step with the Spirit. I love that in, in verse six, uh, 25. He says, since we live by the Spirit, so if, if the Spirit has given you this new life, your new life now is to live by the Spirit, well then keep in step with the Spirit. So the Spirit does his work, giving us life. Are we doing our responding and keeping in step with him? I love this in one of the Puritans, Richard Sibbs, says this. The spirit must, must teach the heart as he moved upon the waters before the creation. So he must move upon the waters of our, our souls. For we have not the command of our own hearts. We have not the command of our own hearts. It's true, isn't it? Our hearts, we, we like to think that we are totally logical and we only ever act out of reason. That we always do the best and the most sensible thing. But if we're honest and if we think about how we've lived our life, probably for the last hour, never mind our, our entire life, we can see that so often we choose the things that we know are stupid, things that we know damage us, things that we know are wrong, and yet we choose them anyway because we don't have command of our own hearts. So often we want things that we, we, we shouldn't. And Sibs is saying that the Spirit then, when it comes into the life of a believer, just as he hovered over the waters in creation to create and make this world, he must hover over our own hearts and teach us how to have command of our own hearts, how to respond to him, how to live, li- live lives that please him. 
how to live by the Spirit. Remember God told Cain in Genesis, Satan is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. The sin inside of you is there. You must rule over it. Of course, Cain couldn't and didn't, and we can't, apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. And so, what is that? How do we do that? What does that, that look like? Um, to keep in step with the Spirit. Well, one way is to, if you like, prune your heart with the sword of the Spirit. Prune your heart with the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit has told us how to live, how, what we should value, what we should love. What does the fruit of the Spirit look like? What does it look like to keep in step with the Spirit of God has shown us so much in his word. And again, so often we can, we can reduce the, the Bible, God's word, to a, it's kind of an instruction manual. It's what you must do. Uh, or it's a, an idiot's guide to life. You want to know what, what, right, right way to, what the right things to do or right way to live? Just, just read the Bible. It'll show you. The Bible is, is, is much more than that. If, like, it's, it's a, when, we, when we give ourselves to reading and meditating and dwelling on, on his word, it's like the spirit hovering over our hearts, shaping us and changing us. It's less like an instruction manual. It's more like a, a you know, in, the, in the war movies, there's always a, a soldier and he takes out the picture of his, of his sweetheart. And in the middle of the war and the battle, he gets strength to keep going because he can look at the face of his in sort of grainy black and white photograph and he keeps going. Well, in some sense, the Bible is, almost, is like that. And that in the middle of the, the heat of the battle, of the, the difficulties of life, when our, our soul is waging war against us, we go to the, God's word, not just for him to tell us, do this, but to gaze upon our, our sweetheart, to gaze upon God, and remember what it was that made us fall in love with him, and why we should follow him, not just what to do, but why. He gives us new uh, desires. The flesh will give you desire for sin. The spirit will give you desire for loving God. So, so spend time on his word. And listen for the sound of his voice. Listen for the sound of his voice in our lives. Not talking about audible voices. I'll let Alistair cover that in, in later sermons on, on the Holy Spirit. But I'm talking about as we go through life. We, 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 so... You have an opportunity to, to help someone. Uh, and something really concrete that you can do to help them. Um, and you think, should I do it? And there's part of you thinks, I'm really tired. I just couldn't be bothered. I'll just I'll put them off, give them an excuse. And there's part of you saying, no, you, you love that person. Love that person. Do that. And that can be the, the voice of the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit in our heart. Follow the desires of the Spirit. At times you think... You're prompted, oh, I should really read. I should really read God's word. I just need that now. I'm in a, in a bad place. If you just take a moment, read a, meditate on a psalm. And that's the spirit prompting you. Follow him. It's a desire of the spirit. But the flesh says, no, no. You're too busy. It's too boring. Don't bother. Do we gonna, are we going to respond to the desires of the spirit? Are we going to respond to the desires of the flesh? You know there's peace in prayer. You know that we get peace from prayer. And yet so often the flesh says, oh no, we don't have time for that, keep, keep going. You're in a queue and people are being slow and laborious unnecessarily and you just want to scream 
and you just want to get angry. Just keep going, get going. You're in the car in traffic, just, and you're going to get cross. You don't want to be patient, but maybe the spirit whispers to you, be patient, be patient. Do you respond to the desires of the, of the spirit in our lives? You're on your, on your phone or the tablet, and this urge to, to look at something or to click on a link or a video or whatever that you know you shouldn't do comes along. And it's a desire of the flesh. But you hear the Spirit say, self-control, self-control, love God more. Are we going to respond to the desire of the flesh? Are we going to re- respond to the desire of the Spirit? When the Spirit speaks in our hearts, answer. And the more time we, we, we spend letting God's word shape us meditating upon it the more we will hear his voice the more we will be able to respond and so a heart that is walking and keeping in step with the spirit will be a heart that grows in love in joy, in peace in forbearance, in kindness in goodness, in faithfulness gentleness and self-control you can't teach those things you can't make someone do those things just the way you can't make a fruit without planting a seed the seed must be in our lives of the spirit and we must water it and grow it by responding to his voice in Greek mythology again going back to the the sirens these sirens sing their song and the sailors respond to their destruction and so how do you overcome that How how do you get around that and there were two responses there was Odysseus and his, his idea was, right, I'm going to fill my sailors' ears with wax so they won't be able to hear the song. And I'm going to tie myself to the mast. So he ties himself to the mast. And they, they sail past the sirens. But he sails past, aching and longing to go and follow the voice. But he gets through. And sometimes that can be what we can reduce our, our Christian life to. Just don't sin. Just try and avoid it. Just don't do it might want to, our hearts aren't changed but just just try our very best Paul said that's, that's just another way of living by the flesh but there was, what's his name, Orpheus and Orpheus was a, a musician and as they sailed near the sirens he played his own song and it was louder and it was more beautiful than the siren song and so he and the sailors were able to go past not longing for the sirens but more and captured by the, the, the song of Orpheus. And the Christian life is which song are you going to listen to? Because the Holy Spirit plays a more beautiful song than the flesh. Are we going to listen to the song of the Spirit and being captured and love more? Or are we going to follow the sound of the siren? Or are we going to tie ourselves to the mast and just get through hear the voice of the spirit that leads to the fruit of the spirit let's pray Father we thank you for what an amazing God you are we thank you for God the father who who creates this world and has made every one of us and knows us we thank you for your son who comes into this world and becomes a, a servant and dies on a cross for us so that we could be forgiven and so that we could accept and know the, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the work of your Spirit in our lives and help us, help us not to, 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 to follow the voice of, of the flesh, 
but to hear the more beautiful song of the Spirit, who gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in our lives. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to walk in those ways, walk in the Spirit more than in the flesh, day by day, in Jesus' name. Amen.